Namaste and welcome to the Bharat Bharata podcast. Over the last couple of months, Punjab has been the seat of high political drama as the state braces itself for elections in a few months time. To analyze everything that has happened and what we should expect going forward, we have a resident political expert Rohit Jaraman on the podcast. Rohit as you know has appeared on multiple Bharat Bharata podcasts. His political acumen is peerless. well a lot of uh, political commentary tends to focus on the anecdotal and basically he said she said type of uh, commentary uh, roth looks at the numbers and the evidence uh, while marrying it to the historic history of the region to offer rich insightful perspectives so roth welcome back thanks carry always great to be back on bharat thanks for the kind words no great to have you on the podcast every time we speak i mean it's a learning experience for me and uh, wish you a very happy mahanavmi thank you wish you the same too all right rohit we have a lot of ground to cover uh, to begin with let's just set some context right um, describe to our listeners what has happened in punjab over the last couple of months uh, we've seen plenty of turmoil a lot of political change so uh, i think what's basically happened in punjab has been culmination of i think uh, almost two to almost few years right of a particular political struggle in the sense that basic basic problem in punjab was that uh, captain amrinder singh who was the chief minister of punjab till recently just didn't get along with rahul gandhi i mean this is something that's been an issue since even before uh, the last elections in punjab where uh, you know uh, rahul gandhi had actually tried to sideline uh, mr singh but somehow the situation at that point of time wasn't uh, conducive for him to be able to do that and uh, at point of time there was sort of uh, Uh, that uh, without Amrinder Singh, the Congress may not be able to actually win power. So Rahul Gandhi was slightly out of options, and uh, he had to you know, sort of reluctantly agree to keeping Mr. Singh as a front of the campaign. What's happened after that, and he was of course made the chief minister. What's happened after that? This may come as news to at least a lot of our uh, readers who've been, or rather listeners who may have been looking at Punjab only from one perspective, is that this Mr. Amrinder Singh and his government is actually, actually became quite unpopular. It was not a very popular government, and this is a counterintuitive in the sense that uh, for two. reasons right one is a lot of uh, you know people on the so called uh, center right or right wing of the spectrum then uh, he's got a lot more sympathy among certain sections of the people than uh, you know you would expect a normal congressman to get that of course really doesn't have any merit on his uh, popularity at the moment in punjab second and uh, more important thing i think uh, which a pe- lot of people might use to defend amrinder singh's uh, record over the last 4 years was actually the fact that the congress did well in 2019 lok sabha elections right in the sense that uh, the congress actually managed to increase the number of seats it had from 3 i think it went up to around 8 out of 13 key thing here is that actually happened because of a collapse in uh, you know the support the aam aadmi party got in punjab at that particular point of time but whatever it is uh, what happened over the last 6 uh, months basically was uh, Rahul Gandhi finally realized that uh, you know, Mr. Amrinder Singh was on a weak wicket and decided to make his move, and that's where, of course, the second great uh, character in this uh, drama played out. Mr. Navjot Singh Sidhu comes in, right? Now, Navjot Singh Sidhu 
as a lot of people know, started his politics. Of course, he's a great cricketer and all of that. But leaving that aside, started his politics in BJP, managed to win two Lok Sabha elections, uh, 2004-2009. Didn't get a ticket in 2014 uh, when his seat was given to Arun Jaitley, who interestingly lost to the very same uh, captain Amrinder Singh. You know, he was uh, kept out in the cold. Then he was nominated to the Rajya Sabha in 2016. But then he resigned from that and the BJP just a couple of months and then joined the Congress. Mr. Sidhu's problems with the BJP actually stem from his problems with Akali Dal, who were, of course, long-standing BJP allies and, uh, you know, till this whole farm bill fiasco that's happened over the last one year. And, uh, of course, that alliance is over. So, interestingly, the BJP basically lost both Sidhu and uh, Akali. We'll come to that uh, in some time. Sidhu then went to the Congress and uh, with the blessings of the Gandhi family, right? And he was immediately given a ticket. He was made a minister. And for some reason, from day one, he was launching a sort of guerrilla warfare against Amrinder Singh. This, of course, uh, peaked around 2019 when Sidhu went to Kartarpur, hugged Imran Khan or something like that. Amrinder Singh said that's not what a nationalist should do. And, you know, since 2000, at least there's been open bickering, uh, right, between the two of them in public. And you know, the high command, the supposed to speak high command, they never intervened uh, at any point to control Sidhu. In fact, they actually made him the Congress president, right? That happened a few months back. And that's where I think this whole uh, thing moved up a notch because uh, once Sidhu was made Congress president over the very clear objections of Amrinder Singh, it meant that, you know, the thing had basically lost complete control of the party. There was this famous breakfast thing where I think almost all the MLAs in Punjab turned up were known to be loyalists of Amrinder Singh. And that's what I think gave um, push Rahul Gandhi or the Gandhi family, I would say, to with the knife and get rid of Amrinder Singh. And so once Amrinder Singh was removed, uh, you saw a lot of drama for 24 hours on, you know, who would uh, become the chief minister. There were lots of names running about from, you know, leaders like uh, Sunil Jakar or uh, Mr. Randhawa and even some really random names like Ambika Soni, right? Who apparently was Rahul Gandhi's first choice. And uh, that ended up with Mr. Chenni being the chief minister. The Congress used that to immediately went on an overdrive of, you know, how uh, he's the first Dalit CM of Punjab and it's a whole new phenomenon in Punjab politics that a Dalit has become chief minister. And that's actually true, right? And we'll get to that uh, later. The Congress did ha- does have a point, especially because Dalits are the single largest group in Punjab at, I think, around 32% of the population. You know, that's the highest population in any Indian state, actually, of uh, Dalits in India. So it's probably something there. And uh, that's what happened uh, that's a factual background, right? I think now we can get into that. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, so that was that was a great opening, Rohit. And, uh, you know, before we delve into some of the nitty-gritties, let's actually take a step back and look at how Punjab politics is unique, right? Uh, how does Punjab normally vote? You know, what are the key considerations, the key issues, um, and who are the main contenders? Uh, sure, Gary. So, uh, basically, Punjab politics, and I here I'll, uh, of course, everyone knows of the troubled 80s and early 90s, right, of Punjab, which sort of led to a lot of uh, chaos uh, in that uh, region. Leaving that aside, you know, post uh, the whole uh, insurgency coming to a practical end, which I think happened around the mid-90s, from around, say, 1998 till 2014, Punjab was very stable politically, right? In the sense that it had two competing blocks. One was the Congress, the other was the Akali Dal BJP alliance. You know, how it how the traditional understanding at least of Punjab used to be that the Akalis had a sort of the stranglehold on what are called the Jat Sikh votes, right? The dominant community in Punjab. And they had a section of uh, Hindu upper caste support, some through the BJP, some sections of Dalit support. Well, the Congress uh, depended on uh, primarily 
two things, right? One, it got the predominant amount of Hindu votes. Second, and you know, BJP's uh, support among upper caste Hindus in Punjab was much lesser than anywhere else in North India, primarily because of its alliance with the Akali Dal. The second and uh, second feature of the Congress also got a large large amount of its support from the Dalits, right? Which as we just described have around 32% of the population, both Hindu Dalits and Sikh Dalits. And uh, the Congress also, you know, uh, managed to get seats uh, because it also had a lot of uh, big Jat Sikh leaders, right? While the Jat Sikhs by and large were Akali Dal supporters, a lot of uh, powerful Congress leaders who came from the community who could win seats on their own, obviously. One example of that is uh, Captain Amarinder Singh. But there are many others also. And a lot of the Congress leadership in Punjab did comprise of this. And this, you know, sort of a duopoly went on till uh, 2012, right? Parties would uh, alternate in power. I think 98, the Akalis came to power. 2003, Congress came. 2008, the Akalis came. The Lok Sabha elections would generally see the party that was not in power uh, at the state getting the majority of seats. So in 2004, the NDA did well in Punjab. But 2009, the UBA did well. What happened in 2012 was something interesting. 2012, uh, you know, Akali BJP alliance actually managed to come back to power. They managed to retain the state, which uh, sort of offended the traditional calculation. At the same time, two, three things happened over that period of uh, five years, right, that completely changed the state's politics. One was the emergence of the Aam Admi Party. So Punjab is a state that's actually had a bad time over the last three, four decades. And it's not just due to insurgency. There's a lot of talk of a rampant drug problem. The state has not uh, really managed to industrialize in the way, say, its uh, southern and uh, traditionally less prosperous neighbor Haryana managed. Punjab has had a serious uh, issue. And accordingly, there was a lot of discontent which sort of bubbled up after Takali BJP alliance came back to power. So what Arun Jaitley standing in Amritsar, for instance, was one of the re- one of the reasons was to actually stem that discontent that didn't work. The Aam Admi Party, you know, actually managed to use uh, this whole vacuum to come into power right after its spectacular, uh, not come into power, to make a play for power right after its spectacular performance in Delhi. Right? So in 2014, when um, Aam Admi Party couldn't really win a single seat even in Delhi because of the Modi wave, in Punjab, they managed to win four seats. And uh, you know, that pointed to something deeper, right? In the sense that one, there was a lot of anti-incumbency, of course, against Sakali BJP alliances. Also, I mean, obviously, anti-incumbency against the UPA government. One more thing that happened really was uh, somehow Sikhs really didn't take to Modi in the way a lot of other communities did, right? Or I would say Hindus did. And that's where things sort of this uh, divide between Punjab politics and uh, remaining Indian states uh, sort of began in 2014. So that's where the AAP grew because people who were disillusioned with the Congress, but at the same time, they weren't happy with the Akalis either at the state level and they were not very comfortable with uh, Mr. Modi becoming the Prime Minister. They went to the AAP and one thing that happened was the AAP over that period from 2014 to 17 was widely perceived to be soft on uh, that small tendency among uh, Sikh separatism among Sikhs, right? And that's where... Um, a lot of other things happened, like where Hindus who were tired of the Akali Dal consolidated behind the Congress in 2017, etc. The other thing that happened that really messed up the Akali Dal's prospects was this whole sacrilege incident, right? And I think it happened in Fatehgarh Sahib, where a bunch of miscreants, uh, you know, committed sacrilege by burning the Guru Granth Sahib, the most uh, holy book of the Sikh religion. That became a, obviously, it became a huge thing and... Uh, the government then shot at people who, you know, took out protests against this blasphemy or sorry, rather sacrilege. That is something the taint of which has not really uh, gone away from the Akalis among its core constituency till today. The AAP how, somehow didn't manage to consolidate on all of this and uh, it messed up in 2017. It completely imploded in 2019. But post-2019, you know, uh, 
the farm laws and we'll come to the farm laws later the apsc in a bit of a revival in punjab yeah so let's uh, delve into some of the characters of this story right um, let's start with uh, captain amrinder singh He's been in politics since 1980. Uh, famously, he was Rajiv Gandhi's schoolmate at Doon School. He's also of royal lineage, right, and belongs to the Fulkian dynasty from Patiala. He served in the Indian Army, and I mean, this is someone with a lot of pedigree, right? And uh, for him to sort of be unceremoniously ousted as he was in that fashion, what really uh, got to that? You know, I mean, uh, what what do you think happened there? So I think that's fundamentally where. and we've discussed this before on the podcast right a particular uh, type of politics that rahul gandhi believes in and rahul gandhi believes in some sort of a radical politics right? you can even see that with kanaiya kumar and jignesh mewani being in the i mean both of them are you know kanaiya kumar of course was a communist i mean he was literally in the communist jignesh mewani is a far left activist who was given uh, a lot of space by the congress in 2019 he was even given a very safe seat to contest by the congress uh, and you know even allowed to do it as an independent because he didn't want to contest on the congress symbol of course he's now joined the congress so that shows that if you look at rahul gandhi's uh, speeches and his uh, words and his uh, Actions since the early days of UPA one, right? I mean, I haven't tracked them before that. It's very clear that Rahul Gandhi is significantly to the left of even Sonia, who was of course significantly to the left of Rajiv or later day Indira. Rahul Gandhi, I think, if you look at Indira Gandhi's second coming into politics, I mean, second coming into power, that's 1980. If you look at where, and a lot of the current Congress leaders are from that era, right? I mean, like Amrinder Singh as we just mentioned. Rahul Gandhi is considerably to the left of these people, and that's where there's a fundamental disconnect, right? And of course, there's obviously a generation gap and all of. That, but let's leave all of the personality issues aside because it's very easy to get caught up in personality and personality traits. And you know, Rahul Gandhi doesn't disrespect doesn't respect elders or elders don't like Rahul Gandhi being trash. And let's forget all of that, right? I mean, the key issue here, some extent, is ideological and the kind of politics that uh, you know, Amrinder Singh believes in, which is probably some sort of clientelist politics. Not saying that Amrinder Singh is a raging right winger, right? He's not. But he's probably more of a clientelist, Congress-style politician, while Rahul Gandhi is more of an activist. Or you know, while he's of course in the Congress, he is the preeminent leader of the Congress. His politics is drastically different from the Congress of the 80s and the 90s. Of course, Sonia Gandhi's Congress and the UPA government themselves were considerably to the left of you know the 80s and the 90s Congress. But that has not really had not really seeped into you know, the Congress uh, ecosystem at the state level even during the UPA time. Rahul Gandhi has made a conscious effort to. Change that. You can see that in the choice of chief ministers for a lot of states. Like Sidramaya is a very good example, right? I mean, Sidramaya is a known leftist. He's a known rabble rouser from the left in his whole Hindu politics, the kind of uh, things he believes in. He's definitely on the left of. He was definitely on the left of the Janata Dal. He's definitely on the left of the Congress. If you compare Sidramaya's things to some of the other Congress leaders in Karnataka. You clearly see that Sidramaya is more on the left. He was clearly propped up by Rahul Gandhi, the new entrant in the party in a state which is which is a huge Congress tradition. He was directly made the chief minister. So that's one example. The another example, if you look at it, another example which is also equally controversial, right, is Bhupinder Hooda and Rahul Gandhi's constant fights with him. He tried to make Ashok Tanwar in charge of Haryana. That didn't really work out. Ashok Tanwar again is a Dalit leader. Bhupinder Hooda is an old style chart politician. Again, clear. Uh, No differences of style, approach, ideology. If you go to Assam, you can see that in Rahul Gandhi preferring a Gaurav Gogoi to Himanta. I mean, obviously Himanta has now come out as a raging right winger, and that's obviously you could say Rahul Gandhi was right in his assessment of Himanta. Right? I mean, he's clearly not a congressman, or what? At least Rahul Gandhi, or I think even Rajiv Gandhi wouldn't be very comfortable with the kind of politics that today probably Himanta represents. And 
that's clearly rahul gandhi took an ideological choice right i mean probably congressman of an older era would have been fine with having human tainas i mean the congress in assam has always had a, a right wing assamese hindu element he picked himant so that's the same process that's gone on in uh, punjab the, that's where i think uh, you know rahul gandhi realized that bulk of the people at the end of the day they voting for the congress yes amarinder might bring in a 2 to 3% uh, boost or maybe a 5% boost at best but that doesn't mean that you know amarinder is uh, be all and end all of the congress in uh, punjab and bulk of the people vote for the congress that means the gandhi family right and rahul thought maybe why not uh, impose himself on it clearly the mlas have played along i mean no mla has left with amrinder but this is also the phase of the congress during the height of the modi wave right and they won subsequent elections with the uh, captain amrinder as the face does it also boil down to the fact that you know captain amrinder was strong on his own front he was not servile like the usual um, you know congress uh, cadre right i mean uh, not saying rahul ji priyanka ji and so on and you know addressing them by uh, first name do you think that would have had something to do with it as well i mean i, I don't want to psychoanalyze uh, this kind of a relationship right but what do you mention about amrinder singh standing up raking the modi wave etc you need to understand that modi himself has never been very popular in punjab even pinarayi vision broke the modi wave right or stalin did you can mention a lot of people i'm deliberately not mentioning mamta banerji but it's for a different reason but there are places where the modi wave hasn't reached and uh, you know punjab is one of those places to say that you know, it was amrinder singh who single handedly blocked the modi wave is i think a bit of an exaggeration that's where the that's what rahul gandhi also thinks right what i would want to mention here uh, to an extent is amrinder singh did play a key role in uh, you know preventing aap from taking over uh, punjab in 2017 and not even making it a hung assembly right because he was able to consolidate people people especially i think hindu, urban hindus who disillusioned with the akali dal bjp alliance at the same time consolidate them behind the congress instead of allowing them to drift to up so to that extent he did serve a purpose in 2017 which is why i think the congress sort of they did give him that chance right but punjab is a state that has huge anti incumbency does it always i'm not saying that amrinder singh's government is you know, exceptionally unpopular or something but it's unpopular and it is not on the getting a re election right so now you can one way of looking at it is to say that you know rahul doesn't brook dissent and all of that which is probably true but uh, the other interpretation which i would want to take is why should he brook that dissent right when people are actually voting for him so by and large the people who vote for the congress in india or who are still voting for the congress in india do vote for uh, the gandhi family a large majority of them do so and it was also the right decision right i mean i don't know if the congress will come back to power but i don't think they were definitely coming back to power without any change all of this is in very stark contrast to how the bjp manages chief minister transitions right whether it's in karnataka or gujarat um what do you think the congress is missing in this uh, sort of a scheme i think there are two again uh, two aspects to it right the first one is that the identity of these leaders right in the sense that uh, amarinder singh is you know he's like what real chief minister amarinder singh is a bit different from your run of the mill chief minister he's because of course he's a maharaja right and well of course titles no longer are of any value in india he obviously has that he takes himself seriously right i mean not every leader does that the second thing is he's been the leader of the congress in punjab for like more than 20 years so clearly he thinks that you know he had a stranglehold on the congress and he wasn't going to go quietly now you've seen that the other thing is of course that the bjp is in power at the center right so it's easier for the bjp to some of some of smooth and some of these things of course mr modi is very popular throughout the country now if you look at the transitions bjp has done is done in gujarat it's done in uttarakhand again two states where everyone knows that the bjp is really getting votes because of mr modi and not because of the, whoever was the cm it's easier to move it that was never so clear in punjab the bjp when it did it in karnataka it had to do things with mr yadurappa we discussed that before 
it took a different approach right in karnataka to what it did in gujarat or uttarakhand completely different approach was taken in assam where uh, himanta biswa sharma had emerged as a very big leader in his own right so sonal also moved out gracefully these things are different and at a very basic level you depends on the individual's nature of the individual in person like i mean when we are praising the bjp you didn't remember how big a mess the bjp made in karnataka the last time they removed mr yadurappa from power complete fiasco it went on for years so i think uh, we shouldn't be a bit we shouldn't be too harsh on the congress so let's get to the joker in the pack right so again navjot singh sidhu was uh, an unusual choice he was with the bjp earlier as you mentioned and ironically it's the same guy who coined the term pappu for uh, rahul gandhi right why do you think rahul in all of his wisdom chose him so that's the thing right i don't think he has chosen him and that's what sidhu has also realized in the sense that if you ask me what what did rahul gandhi do rahul gandhi or the gandhi family they used sidhu as a phase of their campaign to get rid of amrinder singh and they nicely you know sort of managed to shove him out of the way once uh, that was done i think they expected him to stay in the saddle at least till the election so that he would deliver vote he's he doesn't seem to be interested in playing along there but it's been i think 2 to 3 weeks since he quit as uh, the president of uh, the punjab congress and none of his demands have been addressed nothing's really happening i don't think he's even met the gandhi since then he's been doing random thing while the cm he's ostensibly been rebelling against mr channi he's been with the gandhi family when they were in lakhimpur all of those things so i think what the gandhi what the gandhi family did was uh, they just used mr sidhu as a figurehead because i don't think they wanted a situation where it was just you know they were doing it completely remote control from delhi once amrinder singh was out they moved there they played their cards well to or they or whoever is advising them played their cards well in making mr channi the cm and uh, you know and this was something a bunch of us were discussing the day he was made the cm once you make once you have a dalit cm in a state like punjab with its symbolism of dalit politics the highest dalit population interestingly the bsp was born in punjab kanchiram did a lot of his initial political work in punjab it's not going to be very easy to remove this person as a chief minister after the election right and i think siddu i don't know if he realized that initially but he realized that very fast to his credit and he's been trying to make his moves but i think he's uh, fundamentally been a bit outmaneuvered right because he has no other options left now he is i think in talks with aap i heard or i don't know i mean he's just flouncing about like a deer in the headlights right to try and to use a wannabe siddhuism and is uh, is not really succeeding right he's just roaming around like a lost soul and interestingly this chief minister post had uh, potential contenders like sunil jakar pratap bajwa and others right and they were all ignored as you mentioned i mean i think charanjit singh channi was a very deliberate choice for this chief minister post so how does this pair with you know the rise of aap and uh, you know now having the first dalit cm as well how does it influence the political dynamics of the state itself so a uh, couple of things here right the first thing was uh, when they replaced amrinder singh if they weren't going to make siddhu the cm because siddhu is reasonably popular in punjab right i mean i think some people do overstate his popularity but he was definitely i think at the time of the removal of amrinder singh the most popular congress leader in punjab so if they didn't want to make siddhu the cm for whatever reason then they had to come up with a compelling story right and that's where all of these options that's where i think ampika soni's name came up maybe the story there if at all it was a serious consideration was that she is a hindu and the idea was to appeal to punjabi hindus sunil she's also i think a khatri unlike sunil jakar who's a hindu jat which is a community that has very little uh, numbers in punjab the other option like what's the point of making some other jat seek a cm right i mean like randhawa or pratap pratap singh bajwa or anybody there's no like if you're going to go with a jat seek a cm the most obvious choice would be siddhu if you didn't want to go with siddhu then you had to because then you couldn't also keep siddhu as the pcc chief because you couldn't really have 
you know the cm being a jart sikh the pcc chief being a jart sikh especially when you're the congress and you know your core support base is not really jart sikh so that's where channi comes in right in the sense that dalits are a very strong voting block in punjab they by and large been congress supporters or there's been some erosion in support over the last decade or so to the akali at least there's a story that you know channi can you know do something then add something to the table if he is there in place of siddu unlike the others that's what i think is the gamble that's been played by the congress in terms of electoral base i think i'm not sure right in the sense that i think aap and uh, the akalis were anyway getting a bulk of the jart seek votes and that's i think going to be the case even now and that's again where i think the congress did do a smart move right because uh, at least their idea here is to try and consolidate dalits under uh, mr chani's leadership to say seem resigned to not uh, getting the jart seek vote which i think is a reasonable assumption so they thought that at least with the dalit uh, cm they can uh, make a play for the dalit vote and use that identity as the cornerstone of their campaign because their governance has been nothing to write home about and there's massive incumbency anti incumbency sorry so that's where i think they've tried it and takalis uh, have tied up with the bsp which is again trying to get dalit vote so let's see how that plays out i don't think punjab will punjab social structure really works for having such a dalit focused campaign but uh, uh, that's clearly the gamble the congress has taken and there's some logic to it you know throughout all of this we have seen rahul and priyanka gandhi at the helm of it they are at least seen as calling the shots what do you make of that i mean you know on a score of you know 1 to 10 what do you uh, give them right uh, in the way that they've handled this whole uh, situation and uh, do you also see that you know at some point sonia gandhi will be um slightly more hands off i think sonia gandhi is very hands off right i mean i think she is the president because rahul refuses to be the president. like he resigned right after 2019 and she became the interim president she's not even the full time president she's not taken on that title i don't think she is very active and uh, whichever state whatever is happening a bulk of the action seems to be driven by rahul gandhi priyanka gandhi and you know whoever else is in their inner, inner circle like kc venugopal or a bunch of other people so in terms of handling the system i think at least they have a they had a thesis right i mean or at least you could say they are an objective of getting rid of amrinder which i think did make does make electoral sense he was unpopular their uh, their plan to get rid of him through sethu using sethu as a front clearly worked because i mean while amrinder was creating a lot of ruckus on tv i don't think there was any real problem in the legislature party right which is what the and i don't think there was much of a problem in the punjab congress i mean yes the congress looked a bit stupid uh, on national tv for around a day because you know amrinder was uh, saying all sorts of things but that's fine right i mean that's a choice they were willing to pay, play and the choice of chani also i think uh, based on again as i what i just mentioned in the previous uh, question i think uh, it did have a certain internal logic and it seemed to make sense but i think where they sort of goofed up or i wouldn't say they go goofed up actually they were just caught off guard is the sheer randomness of navjot sethu right like i think they thought that he would play along at least till the elections he is refused and he's been creating chaos that's where i think this whole thing their electoral ma- their political management to an unbiased observer would have been very good till navjot sethu revolted right and navjot sethu revolting was again i'm not sure what is the electoral consequence so i do think it will have more of a consequence than amrinder singh but uh, it just made them look slightly stupid across the country because they had inserted navjot sethu and he just suddenly revolted it just made them look a bit foolish in both in, and it also made the punjab congress look divided you know in leaving a Amrinder Singh's outburst and it, that was not the that was not the 
conclusion one could get from the initial revenue so let's speak of some of the following political maneuvers that have happened right uh, so we had captain amrinder singh meeting the home minister shri amit shah earlier in delhi you know what does that signify do you think the captain can actually be serious about joining the bjp we have seen like a massive divide on the farm laws for instance right or or is all of this just uh, political symbolism i i think uh... right now anyone in punjab joining the bjp is not uh, going to help them or the bjp right? and th- it would be a lose lose if you ask me to start with first the bjp is very unpopular in punjab right? and uh, this unpopularity is not restricted only to sikhs or jat sikh now of course certain communities are standing at the front of you know being against the bjp but there's a general dislike towards the bjp right which is in stark contrast to, to- see even 2019 where actually hindus did vote in larger numbers for the nda than in 2014 in punjab uh, but that's i don't think the case today Amrinder Singh joining the BJP I don't think will help Amrinder Singh a lot the BJP has a lot of baggage right now and I think at least it will take this election cycle for that to change the second thing is Amrinder Singh himself I think is personally unpopular while he can you know probably still if he creates a party get 4 to 5% votes or a couple of seats at best I don't think beyond that he has any real uh, scene in Punjab at this moment and him joining the BJP I think is going to be a net negative for both probably makes sense if he is indeed collaborating with the BJP to properly have a situation where they sort of collaborating but not have a formal alliance or even be in the party I don't think would be the right option for him so undoubtedly I think the party that stands to gain or potentially gain from all of this the most is up right and uh, i think arvind kejriwal also realizes that and so you see a lot of frantic activity on that front so what do you make of aap's chances in the upcoming elections if you look at the opinion polls and uh, i think we should give uh, sea voters been the most they're the ones who are polling the most and they got bengal fairly correct right i mean their opinion polls so we should give them some credit uh, aap is the front runner in punjab right i mean whatever i've been speaking to a lot of people in punjab the general uh, impression seems to be that aap is a front runner but doesn't look like they will get a majority that again comes from the fact that the aap uh, doesn't have a cm candidate right and that points to the problems the aap has because um, you know one kgwal obviously doesn't want somebody else to be the cm of punjab because punjab is a much bigger state than delhi delhi is not really a state that's how it would be for any national party right you wouldn't want the nan the national leader wouldn't want someone else stealing the thunder so as to speak so that's why i think kgwal is delhi dallying on announcing a cm candidate the other thing is a lot of the prominent people who joined aap in its initial expansion punjab have left the party no longer active with it like an hs holka or some other so the aap doesn't really they're trying to get some non political person to be the cm candidate but they're struggling and the thing that's going to happen here really is that there is clearly a lot of anti communist against the congress at the same time congress has played a political maneuver by having a dalit cm while of course it can galvanize dalits it's also pissed off jat singh they've been in power for pretty much the entire time the modern state has been formed except for i think one chief minister so there's a clear uh, controversy there so let's so that is where i think ap's failure to have a cm candidate might help the akalis but i'm not sure it might even help the congress but uh, otherwise i think the aap was in pole position till uh, amrinder thing was uh, deposed and uh, i'm not sure about mr chani right because at least his initial uh, one month i think he's about to complete a month in office has not been very you know he hasn't come across as uh, great on a good governance scale of things right so it's possible that if aap ha- gets a better cm candidate or someone who's able to evoke more confidence especially among middle among the middle classes they might go towards aap but i think that's where where do the akalis figure in all of this i mean they have some sort of a moral high ground that they can take right saying that they quit the alliance faces the farm loss and so on you know i mean we have seen they have been fairly unpopular as well so where do they figure in this i think that 
there are two problems akalis are facing right one is as you rightly mentioned uh, prakash singh badal is very old everyone knows he is no longer going to be the cm so there's going to be an akali cm in sukhbir badal and he's not very popular fairly or unfairly he's he's not a vote getter the other and there's also a lot of negative memories about the akali last rule not that the current government is more popular or anything but that's why people do want to give the aap a chance right in the sense that it's at least a change a proper change the second problem for the akalis is that the akalis the farm laws i think were passed initially in june or may 2020 the, the akalis quit only when it became a big issue i think it was july or august so there's a lot of this thing that the akalis are you know still bjp agents or they're too close to the bjp they're still tainted with their association with the bjp so i'm not sure how much of a boost they can get overcoming that but definitely they have a committed vote bank they are a very organized party that's how they managed to win even in 2012 so i wouldn't like i wouldn't say they are on their way to extinction or something they'll definitely survive but i'm not sure they'll be in a position to get power but i think they'll have enough seats to make a play for something in Ahmedabad in the case of a hung assembly or you know some kind of a very weak alliance as such right uh, bjp could actually stand to gain right i mean they could actually be the difference uh, between who comes to power and historically as you mentioned bjp has not been strong in the state but this could be the opening that uh, you know they have been looking for right i mean we've seen what bjp has done uh, in bihar over the last couple of decades for instance right uh, with alliance politics and so on so what do you feel about bjp's chances yeah i think uh, what you mentioned is correct in the sense that obviously the bjp will now have a bigger chance to grow now that they no longer with the akalis in punjab but leaving that aside the bjp as i mentioned is right now not a very popular party in punjab it have at least one electoral cycle to go through before uh, you know that sort of changes so that's something that uh, the bjp will need to figure out there's obviously some sort of a vacuum for a bjp type politics in punjab i mean punjab is not homogeneously sikh or something like that that you know the bjp's image as a hindu party should permanently hobble it but uh, i don't think this is the right election for that and i don't think the bjp will be in a position to even uh, get seats at this point because uh, or make much of a choice because they just simply don't have the ability to win a lot of seats in punjab and i don't think anyone would want the bjp support of course so the elections are in february or march of next year and a lot could happen in that time so if you were to look in the crystal ball for us what do you see happening in the next few months leading to the elections i don't think anything more is going to happen the only real uh, question are two right one is whether amrinder singh will actually form a new party or do something or he'll just sit quiet as he seems to be doing right now the second is whether aap will have a cm candidate or not there's only two things uh, that you know we can uh, basically look forward to right but in your opinion i think aap is the front runner yeah i point. still think it'll be a hung assembly yeah i don't think aap is in a position to get a majority for now but it'll definitely be the single largest party is what i think as of now that's how okay. the polls are saying i mean so finally to round things off you know i'd like to get your thoughts on the larger significance of some of these things right so we'll start with the farm laws you think there will be some kind of a compromise to maybe humor some of the interests in uh, punjab No I don't think so I think if it would have uh, happened it would have happened man if at all I think it will happen it will happen if the BJP loses in UP one I am not sure if the BJP will lose UP but even if they lose even then I'm not sure that they'll actually play along with the farm. the second thing is uh, that Punjab is a border state right and we've just seen that the center has enhanced the powers of BSF Yeah. in the state right so you know what do you see as an impact on national security itself so this is something that i don't want to uh, make some pronouncements on in the sense that 
So obviously, a stable government in Punjab is very key to uh, national security, and that's something that Amrinder Singh had been has been harping on for the past few years. But at the same time, um, you know, Punjab is a state, and you don't really want a situation where you want the central government taking over things. Also, so I think whoever is in power in Punjab, it will be incumbent on both the state government as well as central government to you know, create a harmonious uh, relationship and ensure that at least Pakistan or you know, other agents can't take. advantage of that finally you know punjab is one of the last remaining states of uh, the congress how important do you think it is for them to retain it and uh, what do you see as an impact to the congress uh, party itself i think it's very important right in the sense that over the last uh, few months and uh, differing from what we have discussed before even on our previous show we've seen people try to capture the congress space right whether it's up in gujarat uttarakhand uh, punjab of course goa the tmc has turned up in goa it's turned up in tripura it's called sushmita dev in the the congress in assam it's been trying to get others in meghalaya so clearly a lot of people now think that the congress is weak they want to go for it try and uh, you know occupy the anti bjp space and the right now the elections that are coming if the congress is unable to win any of the states the bjp holds today right because goa uttarakhand and even manipur are all states that are traditionally congress bjp fights or were expected to be at least 6 months back the congress unable to win a single one of them and it loses punjab it's going to create huge problems in the sense that i think that will create serious issues for the congress even in its remaining core states right like your gujarat or mp or even a rajasthan the congress is going to see more defections more people are going to be convinced that you know to beat the bjp the Congress is a problem rather than the solution or the vehicle to beat the BJP. That's going to be a huge. Problem. All right, Ruth. Thank you so much again for joining us on this podcast. Uh, this was a fascinating uh, conversation. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground, uh, many different facets of uh, you know Punjab politics. So, uh, so thank you again, and hope to see you soon. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you for having me.